Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring John Martellaro of the Mac Observer, who will also be joined by Dr. Timothy Summers. He is an ethical hacker. And I'll ask him, what technique does he think Apple used to unlock that iPhone 5C that's been a matter of a serious legal dispute with Apple and the FBI? This is the Tech Night Out Live. We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer, and we're going to talk first about his favorite topic of the century. (laughs) Well, second favorite topic, Apple, the FBI. And the, I don't know, quiet end to this controversy? What's your take on it? Oh, this is a huge subject. I don't even know where to begin. Uh, and it has so many facets. There, there is the constitutional issue of the government's power and absolute authority. There is the technical issue of how... You either have great encryption for everyone or you don't have good encryption for anyone. You have um, a clash that's interesting where the company Apple is up to the plate at bat protecting the civil rights, the Bill of Rights for Americans. Um, There's so many elements to it. And and then there was the, the graceful ending, but not the battle is not over. The FBI, as we know, found another way into that gunman's iPhone, but that doesn't solve the issue at hand. And right afterwards, there was an announcement from the Department of Justice that this isn't over and that they will seek continued court enforcement of backdoors through encryption when necessary to enforce the law. And it just goes on and on. It's it's a very difficult subject. It's It's fraught with emotions because people who are not technically deep and politically motivated, are easy to convince that Apple should get on board with fighting terrorism. But it relates to another article I wrote, maybe we'll have time to get into that, and that is the phone is so deceptive, it's so easy to use, and Apple wants it to be that way. And they've kind of boiled our frog over the years in the terms of the complexity and the monstrous 64-bit gigaflops of operations and all the things that go on inside that phone to protect the, the user, it just seems so easy and so comfortable, but it's really a deep technical, technological issue. And encryption is so important. We couldn't do banking without it. If, if there were backdoors that, that were put into our internet communications, the bad guys would eventually find it and the banking system and our ability to do e-commerce would collapse. The, the issue is encryption has to be perfect for the system to work, but the government doesn't need to have absolute power for it to enforce the law and to fight terrorism and, and criminals. So it's a very nuanced issue. You have to study it a lot, as we've done at the Mac Observer, and you know spend our entire workday studying the issues so that we can inform the readers about the real issues. And it gets into issues of law. We even get into historical issues, the All Writs Act, complicated legal details and infighting, interpretation of the Bill of Rights, the authority of the, of the government. 
it, it's a it's a very interesting, fascinating, and, and in some ways depressing and wearying discussion to have to have. The other facet I want to bring up is is that this is not a universal feeling by the government. The the NSA, the Department of Defense, previous directors of Homeland Security and the NSA have all come down on Apple's side because they understand the importance for national security, for freedom from bad guys, whether they're just bad guys in their pajamas and in some foreign country or whether there's nation states trying to attack our system. Every time we turn around, there are people who are trying to subvert our banking system. There was a recent story about massive attacks uh, on New York banking system by Iranians. It's a very dangerous atmosphere outside out there on the internet, and you have to have really great security and really great encryption to fight against that. You give any backdoor you provide, any weakness that you put into that system is going to damage everyone. So there's perspective required on the part of the government about how absolute its authority is. And that authority is actually, you know, granted by the people. It's up to the American people to decide what absolute authority. If the people of the United States want to give the FBI absolute authority to, under all circumstances, at its whim, break into any system, intercept communications, provide warrants to anyone of suspect, eavesdrop, uh, seize phones, tackle uh, encryption on their phones. Um, you know, that's up to the American people to decide. So that's another facet of this very complex and ongoing issue. All right, let's just talk about some elements of the settlement. In one published report, it said it took the FBI, once they had this scheme in hand, 26 minutes to unlock that iPhone. Question, of course, is what is the scheme? Did they exploit a security leak? We think it's NAND mirroring. I'm not totally technically adept at what NAND mirroring is, but I believe it's the process of desoldering memory from the motherboard, copying it, and then having multiple copies so that when you reach the 10 password limit on one of them and the system freezes up, you've got another copy of what was stored in memory to work with. I'm, I'm trying to be simple about it. The fact that the process is automated or well, would it be manual? Would they have to manually believe, keep loading? I, I believe it's sort of manual. You know, okay. you go into the laboratory with uh, equipment, electronic equipment and experts and you um, attack the motherboard or the iPhone physically and try to extract the information. The key is, though, this is not necessarily a security leak. It's just using electronic trickery to make this happen, something that the average hacker is not going to do easily. Yeah, we have to distinguish between the security of the phone uh, when it's out of your possession, which is always a problem. You know, um, Unix systems are pretty secure on the Internet, but once... A bad guy gets his hands on a piece of equipment, all bets are off in terms of attacking the hardware. So there's two elements to this. There's the security of our communications on the internet through encryption. And then there's this encryption and security of the phone in our physical possession. And the one argument is, is that if you capture a criminal who's who, who is engaged in a criminal act and you have evidence and you have a warrant and there's reason to believe that there's valuable information on that phone, should you be able to crack into the phone in an easy way that would, that 
would compromise everybody else's phone? Or is it an exotic and specialized technique that only a nation state or the FBI or the NSA could could do? And so that seven nines of the rest of the, rest of the population would feel safe. So there's that issue too. Uh, when the phone is in your hand and you're communicating and you're transferring some money, you want your balance and your bank account number and your username and your password to stay safe. And so there is this business of it. Uh, there's two elements here. One is going after a physical entity like the phone, and the other is listening in on the internet to try to pick up on chatter between terrorists or criminals. And if you have encrypted communications, it's hard to do that. Well, the bad guys are going to have encryption. I mean, we saw in the news the other night about something called TrueCrypt that that uh, ISIL is using to encrypt its messages. The bad guys will always figure out a way to c- communicate in the dark. So saying that the iPhone has to be weakened for law-abiding Americans is seems to be somewhat disingenuous to many observers. We have John Martellaro from the Mac Observer joining us this week, and we'll continue to explore the various permutations of Apple and the FBI and iPhone, and as a matter of fact, iPad security. A lot of issues to consider there, and maybe there are no easy answers. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year, You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I impartially shopped the highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-403-4885. That's 1-800-403-4885. 1-800-403-4885. Or go to SelectQuote.com. We shop. You save. Get full details on the example policy at slowquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors not available in all states. Are you worried about how dangerous the world has become? In these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse, you need to be medically prepared to keep your family safe. I'm Joe Alton, MD of store.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find an entire line of unique 
uniquely designed medical kits and supplies for when help is not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family medical bag, go to store.doomandbloom.net today. That's store.doomandbloom.net. You'll be glad you did. Sciatica, lower back pain, hip pain, poor posture. If you suffer from any of these problems, get ready to relax. Introducing an amazing product that's been in the market for over 25 years, the Sacro Wedgie. It was invented by a football coach using a common sense osteopath technique. He created this device to help his athletes by isolating and supporting the sacrum, which is the keystone of our anatomy. This wedge-shaped bone is in the center of our hips, where a lot of pain starts. Simply relax 20 minutes daily on the amazingly simple Sacro Wedgie and let gravity do the work, helping muscles rebalance and start releasing nerves. Sit in the sacral wedgie at the computer or while traveling to help correct posture to finally help relieve those stubborn aches and pains for only $33.95. It's made in the USA, so click the family-owned website at sacrowedgie.com, spelled S-A-C-R-O-W-E-D-G-Y.com, or call 1-800-737-9295. That's 1-800-737-9295. Relax your back pain away with the sacral wedgie. My dad was 59 when he collapsed from a heart attack late last year. Just this past August was when we spread his ashes on the St. Croix River. I loved my dad, but boy was he stubborn. He hadn't been to the doctor in over 25 years. His excuse? He simply couldn't afford it. He wasn't a rich man by any means. At less than $107 per month, libertyoncall.org would have been the perfect alternative for my father. Don't wait. Go to libertyoncall.org right now for not just your sake, but for the sake of your loved ones. Again, that's libertyoncall.org. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Okay, John Martellero, let's continue with this, but I want to focus here on the technique used. Now, if it's a security problem that's been exploited and not just electronic trickery to make this happen with very sophisticated equipment, is Apple entitled to know so they can sure up security for the iPhone? Or does the FBI feel they can keep this to themselves, use it for other iPhones, assuming it even applies to anything outside of the iPhone 5C? Maybe the iPhone 5S with the Touch ID and the secure enclave are more resistant to this. That's a very, very good question. Uh, my understanding is that there's no federal law requiring the FBI to disclose uh, the technique that it used to Apple so that Apple can show up the security. But there is a presidential directive, and I'm not an expert on that either. My colleague at the Mac Observer, Brian Chaffin, knows a little bit more about that. But there is a presidential directive that was issued by President Obama years ago that would apply in this case and would require the FBI to divulge its technique to Apple. And that, the reason for doing that was to make sure that the companies that do business in this country can build secure products. Okay, we're talking about an executive order, are we not? An executive order has the weight of law. It, it could be uh, overturned by congressional law, but as far as I know, it has not. And so uh, the FBI, as far as I know, would need to abide by this presidential directive. And the Electronic Frontier Foundation and Apple have both weighed in and told the FBI that they expect to be 
uh, informed about the specific technique that was used. Keeping it a, a secret doesn't serve either Apple or the FBI in the long term. Keeping it secret on the part of the FBI merely means that it will eventually be leaked and Apple won't have a way to secure its phones. So the question would be here, if the FBI says no, can Apple petition the courts based on that executive order and demand that the disclosure be made? I believe that's what will happen. I'm not an expert, but that's my understanding right now. Now, the other issue here is supposedly the FBI used a third-party company. Celebrite. Celebrite from Israel. Now, it's quite possible here that Celebrite says, even if Apple shores this up, there's still things we can do and we can try for future iPhones. And also, I wonder what they're doing with regard to Android phones. What are the issues there? Because security encryption has only been in recent models, and I think that encryption is software, not hardware. Encryption on the iPhone is hardware. Encryption on Android phones is software. Okay, so it's... Okay, that's what I was saying. So encryption is software on an Android phone, and I suspect they'll have less problems with that. Yeah, I've heard stories that the FBI is going to go after Google and Android phones in order to set a proper precedent. And I've also heard stories that process of doing that, they will set the precedent they want that would require the operating system to be structured in a certain favorable way. And then Apple is going to go off and do their thing to secure their customers because it's important for their business. And so you're going to have a situation in the future where Apple understands the technique that the FBI and Celebrate used. Apple's going to build a system that is impenetrable, even by their own engineers. And right now, we could have had a situation where Apple might have been forced to build what they call government OS, which is a new version of the operating system that doesn't have the, what, 80 millisecond pause between passwords and the 10 password limit. You could install that operating system on the phone and then you could have your way with it and trying all the different four character passwords, which is apparently what was on this particular phone. And it doesn't take long for a computer to guess four-character passwords when you can guess a password every millisecond. What Apple will probably do, in my opinion, is probably build a future iPhone, maybe the iPhone 8, that is so secure that even their own engineers couldn't even write an operating system if they wanted to that could penetrate the phone and that it would be absolutely secure. So a court order uh, would be something Apple could not comply with even if it wanted to. I would also think here... They could set things up so if you remove the flash memory chip, it would, as they say, in Mission Impossible, self-destruct. Or alternatively, Apple could design a system so that it is so complex, it's sort of a technological warfare here, that it would cost hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars worth of equipment in order to go after the phone, which means that most customers, seven nines of the customers, would be secure and comfortable And only in those special cases where it was extremely important, say, you know, the FBI thought there was a nuclear weapon that was going to explode somewhere, that they were willing to spend the million dollars that it takes to crack into the iPhone. That might be an agreeable situation, in my mind. At some point here, this raised the core issue of weighing the privacy of the customer, the private citizen with the needs of the government, and maybe they'll have some solution. Some are calling for a congressional committee, but what happens with congressional committees, as we all know, it kicks the can down the road for a year or two. 
They come up with a report that may or may not get attention. And the way Congress is now with an approval rating of lower than zero, well, a little higher than zero, but not by much, it doesn't appear that anything will happen. It's just Apparently, it's going to be from case to case. 435 congressmen, four of them have computer science degrees. So the, the, there's two issues here. Are the, are the American people going to step up and express their views to the congressmen about the importance of securing their phones for the privacy and their safety of their kids and their family and their money and finances and everything that they do on the internet? And two, is Congress going to listen to the needs of the people and absorb that and make a technical decision and put that into law? Or are they simply going to be lobbied and come up with the bad law? Well, the thing that's going to happen now with most congressional decisions lately is that they listen to the needs of a few companies or a few individuals who give them big donations. But I don't want to get into that. Let's go into the second thing, which segues from this. The iPhone is indistinguishable from magic. Yeah, that's a takeoff on uh, Arthur Clarke's three laws for you listeners out there. Sure. Recite them, please. And I believe any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic is one of those laws. I believe one of the other laws is when an elderly but distinguished scientist says something is impossible, he's probably wrong. I forget the third law. Imagine if we took today's iPhone 6S, the most advanced iPhone, and we got the flash and he went back in time. Oh, yeah. 50 years. He would be created. There would be thermonuclear war over a device like this with 128 gigabytes of storage and gigaflops of computational capacity. But they wouldn't know. They couldn't use it. And to figure it out, there's no cell phone network. If they turned it on, it would work fine until the battery was right. discharged. And of course, they didn't know anything about USB. So how would you recharge it? I guess they well, could figure a way to smart feed voltage into it. Somebody smart, smart, yeah, smart can figure a way to recharge it. Yeah. But yeah. it would be a fundamentally an almost non-functional device because there is no internet. Yeah, well, worse than that, uh, it's a device that's not particularly designed for computational power. More to come with John Martellero. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. Remember Pearl Harbor. Now you can buy, for the first time ever, the 75th anniversary Pearl Harbor legal tender solid gold coin from the U.S. Money Reserve. Call 1-800-329-6700 right now or go online to usmoneyreserve.com. 1-800-329-6700. Destroy harmful bacteria, allergens, bed bugs, dust mites, fleas in your home with the Ladybug Steam Vapor System. The Ladybug dies deep on surfaces without any toxic residue. Traditional control agents contain toxic chemicals which do more harm than good. Sanitize and disinfect using just water. Quick, fast, and surprisingly easy. Find out more now by calling 800-997-6584. Ask for Randy. That's 800-997-6584. Or go to advap.com slash gcn. That's advap.com slash gcn. 
Is negative content or comments on the web affecting your personal or professional reputation? Unfavorable comments, embarrassing pictures, videos, legal documents, and negative articles can ruin your personal life, your career, or your business. It happens a lot, and it's just not fair. But what can you do? ReputationDefender.com can help protect your good name. Get a free consultation now. Call 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Call right now for a free expert reputation analysis. It's easy to squash the unfair attacks with our patented system, and the analysis is absolutely free. Make the best things about you jump out in searches. Protect your personal and professional reputation, your business, and your income. Get your free reputation analysis from ReputationDefender.com right now. Call 800-831-0771. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com today. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us at advertise at GCNlive.com and an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for Life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for Life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. Ted Anderson telling you about Jordan Rubin's Beyond Organic Green-Fed Raw Cheddar Artesian Cheese featuring whole milk created through ancient dairy breeding, unpasteurized, untreated whole milk on the same farm the cows graze, containing natural sources of omega-3s, CLA protein, calcium, probiotics, and enzymes. I have never tasted cheese this good, and you need to try it. Contact your Longevity distributor or call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. Dr. Joel Wallach here. If you're a baby boomer and you're worried about the big epidemics coming, and I'm not talking about the bird flu or the swine flu, I'm talking about epidemics of Alzheimer's disease, heart disease, obesity, diabetes, arthritis, cancer. That's because the 80 million baby boomers followed all the advice of doctors, and uh uh-oh, Houston, we have a problem. See Dr. Wallach live in Little Rock, Arkansas, Saturday, May 14th, 1 p.m. Go to www.cdocinarkansas.com. That's cdocinarkansas.com. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. Okay, so you get my point here about what's going on with going back 50, 60 years with an iPhone 6S. John reason, had a comment? The reason I wrote that article was because the iPhone has become deceptively simple. Throughout the years, we've sort of become accustomed to the user interface with small refinements. But the complexity of the phone has increased leaps and bounds. The, the processors are hundreds of times faster than they used to be when it first came out in 2007. And so 
like I said before, our frog has been boiled because we don't realize how complex the phone is. And that has led to an absence of discussion about what's happening in the phone. I mean, as Apple has systematically increased the security and dealt with issues and, and made sure that you have to have an Apple ID before you can upgrade the operating system, all these things that you have to do now and all these security measures, it doesn't seem to have leapt into the consciousness of lawmakers or law enforcement officials about the tremendous strides that the phone has made. If the issue of breaking into a phone was really, really important, why, why do you wait until the point where it's, it's almost perfect? Getting back to the thing we were talking about before, I wanted to follow up on taking an iPhone back in time. And it kind of fits in with this. If you took an Apple II back in time and turned it on, you know, it has a 120-volt AC power plug. You plug it into the wall, boots up, you see the cursor, and you pretty soon you figure out what the commands are. Pretty soon, within a half an hour, some computer scientist has figured out that it's running a language that you can compute in, and you could actually write code. And, you know, oh, I can compute the value of pi through some sort of expansion algorithm. So the, the, the phone is, is different in that respect in, in that it doesn't have any computation, obvious computational capabilities unless you install the right kinds of apps, like you know a calculator. But certainly you can't run Fortran on an iPhone <laughs> and do numerical calculations of thermonuclear explosion simulations and things like that. So that would be a very interesting situation, taking an iPhone back into time. Just as the iPhone would mystify people from 50 years ago, I think it mystifies many people today. And if you were to select any student at random, you know, go into some high school uh, at Fort Walton Beach, Florida, and say, here's an iPhone, tell me how it works. Uh, they would be hard-pressed to explain anything about the process of the phone. And neither would their parents be able to do so. It's basically magic. And, and that... It's not good for society because we're not culturally and technically and, and, and language-wise aware of what it is we're using in our hands. And people pick up their phone and they, they transfer some money from checking account to savings and it's just magic. And they don't know about open SSL and 512-bit AES encryption used uh, for internet transmission and salts and seeds and handshaking and password handling and all the things that go on in, inside their phone and nor, nor should they nor should they have to worry about it but the fact that we don't consciously think about it leads to some technical problems in our society so it's a double-edged sword now just to relate this i've gotten cars over the years with some electronic gadgetry but even though they have lots of onboard computers managing such functions as emission controls, except for Volkswagen, which defeats them. <laughs> Other than that, the fact is they never seem as sophisticated as my iPhone does. But let's move to other topics here. We have quite a few. 16 years, almost 16 years of OS ten. if we count the public beta from September of 2000, mm -hmm. Mac OS ten, OS ten. you're positing here that Apple developed one operating system that hosts both OS X and iOS. Does that mean it's like a portable system, kind of like what Microsoft's trying to do? Well, hosting both OSs was, was kind of a secondary thing. It could come in handy in certain kinds of portable systems uh, where you 
you know, you, you know, the, Tim Cook talks about how each system is does what it does best, and we we hear stories about people reaching up and trying to touch the screen of their MacBooks, and that doesn't work. But when it comes to pointing and doing fine pointing with a mouse or with a uh, trackpad, um, there's some things that are just a lot easier to do on a MacBook. And so in, in some kinds of uh, geometries, you can imagine perhaps you know, something that looked like a MacBook and had a keyboard attached and functioned as a Mac when you wanted it to function as a Mac. And you could take the display apart and treat it as an iPad when you want to treat it as an iPad. And so one has to wonder, is that a good idea? Would people buy that? Would they pay more? Would this be financially a good idea for Apple? There's all sorts of questions that are raised. My principal idea, though, is something I've been talking about for years, and that is we need an operating system that's smarter. And making OS X a lot smarter doesn't seem like the right way to go. It was, it was born in the hardware of its time. You know, it's BSD Unix. BSD Unix was born in Berkeley in the late 70s. Uh, it was uh, instantiated at Next by Steve Jobs at BSD 4.4 um, in the late 80s, 10, 15 years later. And now it's 16 years after that. So this this operating system was born in the 70s, brought to fruition in the in the early 2000s, and, and now it's 16 years old, and Apple keeps adding more and more features to it. Every time we get a new operating system, you know, Snow Leopard, and then Lion, and then Mountain Lion, and then Mavericks, and Yosemite, there's got to be hundreds of new features, perhaps a thousand new APIs to support them. The operating system gets keeps getting more and more complex. Fortunately, Moore's Law is keeping up so far, and our memory and our operating systems are getting our, our hardware is fast enough that it can support the the intensity of the code and hundreds of mil, how many maybe a hundred million lines of code you know is ten by now just a guess so how far is it going to go what can Apple do it, it, the operating system is so fragile it can't take care of itself too well operating uh, operating system messages come up and say well iTunes is is borked you, you know you need to we buy your music or this or the operating system freezes and you don't know why and you have no insight into what's going on all you can do is just press the button here it is, here it is 2016 and your mac locks up and it doesn't provide any helpful information to you about how to keep that from happening again there's no supervisor there's no intelligent agent who's watching over the system there's there's no higher level operative that's watching over the behavior and saying, oh my God, oh my God, we got a memory leak. It's getting worse and worse and worse. I better do something. I'll tell the user that this app is starting to chew up all the memory and he's going to have a problem in a few minutes. It sounds like you need a much more proactive design. Then. Yeah, with, with, with the progress we've made in artificial intelligence, it seems to me like the next stage of our evolution is not adding more features to, to a 16-year-old operating system, but making it smarter. And maybe because it was born on the hardware of the 20 or 30 years ago, maybe this Unix operating system ought to just you know, continue to operate at a low level on the hardware and do the things that it does, and then wrap a really intelligent agent around the outside of it to protect it, to monitor the HTTP stream, to look at how memory is being handled, to look at the behavior of apps, 
to look for incursions, to, to do all the housekeeping and the management things and, and talk to me and tell me what's going on instead of working on a, on a dumb machine that just has more and more features that keep it from being stable and nothing just works. Uh, we have a big time. debate in the comments section of com about Apple operating systems not just working. Please go to plus.technightowl.com plus.technightowl.com to learn more about the Tech Night Owl Plus, our subscription package with an enhanced version of this show for a modest subscription rate, plus.technightowl.com. More Apple OS discussions with John Martellero on the other side of the Tech Night Owl Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Owe $10,000 or more to the IRS? Get on board with the tax admiral. Don't pick on the IRS alone. I'll cut penalties and reduce your overall tax bill. Sometimes I can even get it zeroed out completely. We're an A-rated company helping people clean up their mess with the IRS. If you owe $10,000 or more, then call the tax admiral. Call 800-287-7180. Again, that's 800-287-7180. 800-287-7180. A good stove is at the top of the list for any serious survivalist. That's why you have to see the full range at Emberlit.com. Simple, elegant, but extraordinarily efficient. Available in titanium or stainless steel, the Emberlit line of stoves are ultralight, pack flat, and work great. Fueled only by sticks and debris. From emergency situations to long-term survival, Emberlit stoves are up to the task. Emberlit, the most convenient, easy-to-carry wood stoves on the planet. See them all at Emberlit.com. Serious investors and traders want to make 81% return in 60 seconds? Use the same secret algorithm professional hedge fund managers use to make billions of dollars of profits. Turn $250 into $4,903 in just seven clicks of a mouse. Our tool is so simple that my 82-year-old grandmother can use it to make insane stock market profits. Go to BigBuckRiches.com. Watch the free video before the hedge funds make us take it down. Go to BigBuckRiches.com. From the Robert Allen System, current returns not indicative of future results. This is a healthcare alert from the Pain Relief Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one suffers from knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain and have Medicare as your primary insurance, we've got great news. You don't have to suffer any longer. You can immediately qualify for a pain relieving brace at little or no cost to you by calling our 24-7 Pain Relief Hotline at 866-389-0620. Delivery is free and all paperwork is handled for you. 
If you are on Medicare and have knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain, don't wait. You can qualify to immediately receive a pain-relieving brace at little or no cost by calling our 24-7 pain hotline now at 866-389-0620. Our representatives are standing by 24-7 to take your call and rush you your pain-relieving brace at little or no cost to you. Shipping is free and all paperwork is handled for you. Just call 866-389-0620. That's 866-389-0620. Again, 866-389-0620. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. So then, we'll have this intelligence agent that will better monitor the operating systems show more intelligence. Now, doesn't iOS do that a little bit with background processes? Well, I, th- I think the proactive part of uh, iOS is more to the point here. The problem with proactivity and trying to anticipate the needs of the user is that it can often become uh, creepy. You know, an, an agent may start munging around in your email and notice that you've got an airline reservation and say, well, you're going to need a rental car when you get to your destination. Can I recommend a rental car even before you've you know, headed for the airport? And there are worse scenarios that seem even creepier, especially when it affects things that you would kind of like to keep private. If the agent is isolated on the phone, if it's, it's making discreet inquiries, not giving away too much about what's going on, that's one thing. But if the, if the agent has an identifiable IP address uh, to you and um, asks, for example, a, a website, what's the best possible rate for a vacation house in Honolulu for two weeks? You know, then suddenly there's information about, about your travel plans that you may not want to be divulged. So and proactivity can only go so far because, before it becomes creepy and a security risk. So what you really want is you want something like and I hate to say this, but there was a video that Apple produced in the 1980s about a little intelligent agent. What was that? What was the name of that video? It suddenly escapes me. Been looking at it for years, and now I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> so you want to, you want an agent that talks to you and says, "Well, what do you want to do? How do you want to handle this? What information can I divulge? How can I be of assistance?" And I think things will go better. In, in that regard, once we can start having an intelligent conversation with our computers instead of instead of it being helpless. So what about changing it to Mac OS again? Oh, well, you know, there was a news item today that some developer noticed a, a string in, in El Capitan 1011.4, a string, a little Mac OS. But um, the article was not conclusive because often that string is used by developer code in Apple. 
code to identify that and differentiate from iOS. So uh, the article ended up saying, well, we don't really know for sure. But, you know, if Apple is thinking about changing the game after 16 years and, and introducing radical new elements uh, as Microsoft is thinking about with Cortana and, and having our systems be not just proactive, but genuinely helpful in managing and protecting the system, then maybe it's time for a new generation name, and that would mean new branding. I don't know. The question is, how much longer can we go? You know, are we going to go through El Capitan, and then we're going to go through Mojave, and then we're going to go to China Lake, and and then we're going to go to um, something else, and then we're going to keep going on here we are will be the year 2022 and 23 and we've got mac os 10.18 and there's more and more features i mean something's got to happen to uh change the game here after 16 years to make this operating system more secure more friendly more aware of its environment so does apple do that for 2016 or the future well you know it takes a while for these things to brew behind the scenes it could be apple started on it years ago and isn't ready to unleash it yet or maybe they're just now thinking about where os 10 is going to go or maybe they're thinking about how ios will reign in the future and eventually ios will become so powerful we won't need os 10 anymore and so apple can just quietly dispense with os 10 uh, because it has architectural limitations in security that iOS does not have. And so iOS will always be more secure than OS X. And it probably wouldn't upset Apple um, if they could take iOS into the future uh, with new hardware and new capabilities. So you would make it kind of like Windows 10 where it would be adaptable to the hardware, but it'd be fundamentally a single operating system, maybe with a high-resource version and a lower-resource version. Maybe, maybe. It, it depends on um, how... Uh, there, are, there are people who would argue against that. Uh, I, we were having a discussion about this on the Mac Observer staff the other day, and there, there was something to be said for sitting at a desk and having a fine pointing device, like a mouse, with, which has a resolution of maybe 1,200 dots per inch or so, and the fineness with which you can manipulate things on the screen in terms of the cursor and, and drawing and Photoshopping and selection and things that you do on a Mac may not be replaceable uh, in iOS. So if for the foreseeable future, if we're to believe Tim Cook, as he says, each system has its strengths and its proponents and its needs and its uses, then we can expect that they would both continue on for a while. And that but means- they could still merge more functions behind the scenes. So even if you didn't have the fine pointing device for iOS and you had that mouse layer or input device layer for Mac OS or OS X, a lot of other stuff could be very similar. Well, yeah, too. And, and then the holy grail is to dispense with the mouse and your finger and the pencil all together and be able to so, have so rich a vocabulary with Siri or the intelligent agent, the next generation, to be able to be able to communicate with your computer in English so gracefully and so powerfully and so richly that you wouldn't need those tools anymore. 
Okay, we have this scene. That would be cool. We have this scene in the movie Star Trek for the voyage home where they go back in time to save the planet. They have to get some humpback whales. And Scotty is in this <laughs> I remember manufacturing I plant to get transparent aluminum. Of I course, they don't have going. it because it hasn't yes. been invented yet. Uh-huh. And he goes into this office where they have this early Mac. And he picks up the mouse and says, computer. <laughs> and the boss of the company shows him the keyboard and he says, how quaint. Yes. Yeah, that, those science fiction memes are powerful, and they propel us into the future. One of my favorite phrases is, one of my favorite uh, sayings is from Walt Disney, if you can dream it, you can do it. And we're perpetually about the process of instantiating those, those dreams. As physicists are working on using quantum entanglement to uh, do teleportation. Um, so it's going to be a few years, but a few, or maybe a few decades. But those things that, that linger in our memory as things that we want to do uh, end up being dreams of engineers and they end up making it happen. And so maybe there will come a day when we don't have to worry about mice anymore or uh, pencils. We can just sit down and talk to our computer like Geordi LaForge does or Scotty does and richly and, and productively tell our computer what it is we want to do and it has the smarts and the, and the technical ability to implement that. So no more resizing photos by hand and no more typing at the keyboard and no more fussing with the with this difficulties of Skype. <laughs> oh, just that would be sufficient. Just deal yeah. with the difficulties of Skype. But remember, when you deal with the problems of Skype, it is a Microsoft product. All right, let's continue and let's move to something else. We have sure. a couple of segments sure. left. All right, so the hint there, broadly shown at the Apple Media event about the iPad Pro, is this is more of a potential PC replacement than ever. Now, it may be the best iPad yet, but that's pushing a bridge too far, isn't it? No, I think uh, what we're seeing is a metamorphosis of the iPad. Apple held steadfast to this Steve Jobs vision of reclining in a couch, as he did when he first introduced the iPad. I think it was Macworld of 2010. Sitting in a couch and having an iPad on your lap and touching and browsing and tapping your email and communicating simply um, and, and it's, it's a device that was dreamed about for a long, long time. It was one of those things we just talked about in our, in our technical minds and our memory and our longings we always wanted to have. And Apple had a fixated idea about how it should be operated. It should be only operated with touch. And uh, we, we won't sell a keyboard and we won't sell styluses. And then Microsoft went on down this road of productivity. Okay, let's talk about that. Productivity, the iPad Pro, John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg, you're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. 
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. 75 years ago, America suffered one of the worst moments in American history, the attack on Pearl Harbor. Now you can remember December 7th, 1941, with the purchase of the first ever 75th anniversary Pearl Harbor legal tender solid gold coin from the U.S. Money Reserve. Call 1-800-490-3200 right now for the official 75th anniversary Pearl Harbor Legal Tender Gold Coin from the U.S. Money Reserve, the only company authorized to distribute these 100% solid gold coins. Remember Pearl Harbor with this limited official gold release. 1-800-490-3200 or online at usmoneyreserve.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, you think that Apple was influenced by Microsoft and the Surface to have an Apple Pencil and have more support? I know it wasn't it wasn't necessarily that the uh, surface sales inspired Apple because while Apple was selling 10 12 15 million iPads every quarter Microsoft was selling about a million surfaces every quarter so it wasn't Microsoft's huge financial and market success that was inspiring Apple I think it was Apple's awareness of the fact that the iPad was declining in sales itself that the technology was not changing very rapidly that people were treating it as an oversized iPhone. And in many cases, an iPhone 6 Plus or an iPhone 6S Plus was all they needed in terms of screen real estate. And that Microsoft was making an interesting case in business. IBM was probably telling Apple that the iPad was not cutting the mustard in, in terms of business use because certain things couldn't be done without a keyboard. And so what you're seeing is Apple slowly changing the game with the iPad and turning it into a more productive tool. And so now you look at the promotional picture that Apple has on its website, you know, the the product images that we can download from the press. And it's it's got a keyboard and it's got a pencil laying next to it. And so what the message that Apple is telling us is, is that 
the iPad's got to breathe new life into it. It's got to grow. It's got to become a productivity tool. You've got to be able to do things with a keyboard. You've got to be able to do things with a stylus. And we'll build the world's best stylus and call it the Apple Pencil. It's got to have picture-in-picture. It's got to have a split screen. It's got to have perhaps multiple user logons, which we haven't seen yet, but we've heard rumors about um, so if you look at how the, what, what's happening to the iPad is is that it's being positioned is instead of just a kind of a, a large iPhone without much differentiation into something that has strengths in its own space. It does things that an iPhone can't do. You can't do uh, picture in picture. You can't use an Apple Pencil with an iPhone, nor do you need to, or do you want to. You don't use a keyboard generally with an iPhone because it's a very mobile device. You might sit at a desk with your iPad and then later move over to the couch. So what I'm seeing is Apple is carving out a territory for the iPad in terms of making breathing new life into it, making it more productive, giving it a more professional appeal. And in the process of doing that, it should lure a lot of frustrated PC users over who don't need anything more than an iPad with a keyboard. And that's why at the March 21st event, Phil Schiller was talking about how many PC users who don't want to mess with security and operating system difficulties and other problems, and all they want to do is read email and, and shop and browse and communicate and FaceTime and message with friends and play games and watch Netflix, all they need is an iPad Pro. Let me tell you something here. So Apple sent me an iPad Pro, the original 12.9-inch version for review with the keyboard, a smart keyboard. I was nuts about the keyboard, but I know other companies have them maybe with better touch. And I thought to myself, you know, this is the problem that you have with the PC convertible notebooks that have touch screens. So I'm typing something, but then there are certain functions I have to go up to the screen and touch it, which is awkward. So maybe what Apple needs to do also is add support for an input device. So if you're going to use it as a PC replacement, maybe have a trackpad or something with an accessory keyboard. Have that mouse base input function when you want to turn it into something that's more PC-like. That wouldn't be a big deal, would it? I think that's kind of a neat idea. Okay, the yeah. patent is worth a lot of money. <laughs> it kind of fits into what we were talking about a little while ago. The merging of these two ideas, whether they, whether, whether we end up with the toaster fridge, you know, where we, a merger, or whether we end up with a device that's totally different and new in the future, or whether we just kind of muddle our way through it like we're doing now with a, a silly little chiclet keyboard that we attach to an iPad. It is very I, I awkward, see, I man. I couldn't stand it. The worst <laughs> yeah. thing about it, though, with the Apple Smart Keyboard, and everybody's different. Everyone uses different kinds of keyboards. My desktop keyboard is the Matthias Laptop Pro. That's the Bluetooth version. Because mm. the other one's a little bit wide for my desk. And I had a situation here where it developed a short in the USB circuitry. So I had replaced under warranty. And I said, you know what? Give me the Laptop Pro. I don't have a numeric keyboard, obviously. I'm lacking a few other functions, but for the most part, it works better. So you understand where I am at. The smart keyboard, I don't know if you ever tried it. The space bar feels awkward and stiff, and I kept missing it. So I'm typing an article, and it doesn't have a space between words. 
because of the way it's designed. Yeah. It's a chiclet keyboard. I tried Apple's key, smart keyboard uh, when I bought the iPad Pro 12.9 inch. I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. I, I have I've played with the Surface keyboard in the Microsoft Store that's in our local mall. And when I, as soon as I tried the Apple smart keyboard, uh, being a writer and being very fussy about my keyboard, as you know, and using the Matthias Pro is that's a great keyboard. So. We're fussy about our keyboards. And so to put a chiclet keyboard that's that's inexpensive and limited in front of a 9.7-inch iPad seems like a very weird thing to do. It's even more uh, weird in front of a 12.9-inch iPad. Yeah. Yeah, well, I tried the Logitech keyboard, and I didn't like it either. It has a nice feel, but it had some other technical limitations that I didn't like. I haven't yeah. met the keyboard I like. I've tried maybe a half haven't dozen found or one so. yet either. I just think that maybe Matthias has to make one, but they can't use mechanical keys to be too thick. They still have to come up with some variation of a slim style keyboard. But I was thinking here, a MacBook keyboard from the yes. new MacBook. I was just thinking the same things, GMTA. Yes. That precise design would work just ideal, wouldn't it? It would. That would be great. How about a MacBook keyboard, which is already designed to be very thin and has short throw, and I love it. How about putting that paired with it? You want to call a machine a pro device? Put a MacBook keyboard on it. Now you've got a pro keyboard instead of a toy. They still have to deal with the input device problem. Because, again, it's the toaster oven refrigerator problem. You're typing and you take your finger and you go up to the screen. Not as far because it's a relatively small device. But you have to see that. You're, you're kind of here in never, never land where you have something that's working like a traditional notebook because you have the keyboard and you have something that works as a tablet, which is the problem with the PC devices. You've got to have a more traditional input capability. And again, I don't see that being difficult from a programming standpoint to either incorporate that on the keyboard or, you know, if you're sitting at a desk, just plug a mouse into it. It may seem a little weird, but you know what? If it's going to be that kind of thing, the PC replacement, it's got to take it to that next step. Otherwise, it's a part-time replacement. It is for people who check email. It is for people who write short pieces, or maybe you do some editing on it. But if you want to just get down and dirty and do some real writing, it doesn't cut it. Right. Well, the question then is, is the the technical needs of a few users, the defining characteristic or is the ipad design point and its price point sufficient for most users because you know we're writers and we tend to think that our opinion is held by everybody and it's not so if apple sells a lot of them and sells a lot of smart keyboards with it that's the defining situation not how we feel about it and the thing to remember also is that this is still a work in progress. The iPad has been around for close to six years. Sales have fallen. Apple is doing different things to push it more into the business market. This is why you have an iPad Pro. Most people could take the iPad Air 2 for $100 less and be perfectly satisfied with its performance and what it does because they'll never get to a keyboard. They'll never use a keyboard. But for those who do, this is certainly... 
something to consider. Well, the problem with Genius is that they've got an iPad 3 or an iPad 4, and they say, honey, it works just fine. I don't need a new one. We have John Martellaro. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Hey there, Night Out listeners. Are you frustrated by all those passwords you need to remember? Do you use the same password for multiple sites? Well, now there's a better way. RoboForm, an award-winning password manager that makes your life easier and more secure. With RoboForm, you'll never need to remember or type your passwords again. It's easy to use. It's completely secure. And best of all, listeners, you could use it free. Just go to RoboForm.com tech. That's RoboForm.com tech. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I impartially shot the highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-403-4885. That's 1-800-403-4885. 1-800-403-4885. Or go to SelectQuote.com. We shop. You save. Get full details on the example policy at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. Hello, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. And I'm going to be in Fort Worth, Texas on Thursday, April 14th for a free seminar. If you have anybody or yourself, if you have high blood pressure, diabetes, arthritis, dementia, you have macular degeneration, thyroid problems, or anything else going on, come to our seminar. Registration is 630. Actual seminar starts at 7. And for more information, contact Ms. Brandy Brogdon, 615-389-7733. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. A Place for Mom offers free one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call A Place for Mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-704-6182. That's 1-800-704-6182. 
Worried about lead, fluoride, and other contaminants in your drinking water? Get a ProPure with the Pro-One G2.0 Cleanable Reusable Filter and remove up to 200 contaminants. Drink water the way nature meant it to be. Clean, crisp, and refreshing. See the complete line of ProPure products, including the new ProMax Shower Filter. There's a ProPure for you. Visit your authorized ProPure dealer for details or ProPureUSA.com. That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A.com or 800-544-3533. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. We do have a special version of this show that we offer for a modest subscription rate at plus.technightowl.com. That's P-L-U-S dot technightowl.com. It's called Tech Night Owl Plus. We cut out the network advertising, and you don't have to fast forward anymore, by the way, and it gives you better audio quality. We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. We're talking about what might be the best iPad yet. The new iPad Pro has that special color capability oh what is that called is that true tone i forget i haven't talked about that in a, in a week or so yeah the uh, ability of the screen to match the color temperature of the surroundings i haven't seen it yet i won't be buying a 9.7 inch ipad pro i have a 12.9 ipad pro i love it it is true tone so, it has sensors that yes. measure the ambient color temperature and adjust yeah. the picture Accordingly, now according to Jim Dalrymple of the Loop, he says that it makes it more visible this technique in sunlight. It's much much better in sunlight. And basically, with this Apple has licked that problem. But what this means also, depending on the cost of that circuitry, and remember, the iPad Pro, the nine point seven inch version, is a hundred dollars more than regular iPad Air two. But if Apple can distill that technology into all its displays, from iPhones Mm -hmm. to iPads especially, or even notebooks, it means you could basically take these things under any reasonable degree of lighting conditions and get a pretty good picture. And this is the first iteration of that technology. But I can see where it's something where it focuses on the future. But what's interesting here is that Apple didn't just duplicate the innards of the larger iPad Pro. They brought it out six months later with six months more technology in it. Yeah, uh, Jeff Gamut at the Mac Observer wrote an article about that. And he, he said, basically, the 9.7 has given me iPad Pro envy because he's got a uh, 12.9-inch iPad Pro like I do. And he wants that feature because Jeff is kind of a color matching and pre-press and color guy, and he appreciates that. This business about making it more visible outdoors is very important. It, it fits in with what we were talking about in the previous segment about how Apple is suddenly very aggressively thinking about how to turn this device into something that is awesome in its own right, does its own thing, has its own special features, needs, characteristics, and productivity and usefulness. And I'm really happy to see Apple doing that. It had to happen because you just can't keep selling an oversized iPhone forever and your sales are going to go down and down. Well, the thing that needs to be done now 
is with the 12.9 inch iPad Pro, more apps need to be developed to take advantage of that technology and they're not there yet. Yeah, that's always a problem. I've talked to a few developers, both on uh, our podcast background mode and uh, previously at WWDC. And part of the problem is, is that small developers have to worry about finances. They have to worry about the viability of their company. They have to worry about rising above the competition and setting their price points right and, and paying their staff and by the and going to WWDC and absorbing all the technology. And by the time they're all done with that, they turn around and Apple's come out with a new version of the operating system and hundreds of new APIs and or thousands. And then Apple expects them to immediately include that into their new version of the app. They can't keep up. They feel stressed. They feel overworked. And they feel like, well, do my customers really need this? Is this Apple just banging on me to do something for their own sake? Or do my customers get real value out of me including this new feature into my app? And how much am I going to have to pay my developers to do that? And how much revenue am I going to get out of it? And so developers are constantly struggling with time and money and frustration and being able to fold all these new features into their app. So I sympathize with them. And then that's, that's part of the issue. Well, it's part of the technology coming ahead of the developers. And it's going to take a while. But do you think now that this new model this new iPad Pro, that becomes a sweet spot to invigorate sales enough so that it's going to get more penetration in the business market. Also, cutting the price of the iPad Air 2 to $399 might encourage people to upgrade from their iPad 2 or 3. Yes, I think Apple's doing everything it can to stem the decline in sales. You know, during the Christmas quarter, you see a spike in iPad sales, but then it drifts back down and then there's another spike, but the spikes keep getting shorter. And the general trend is a decline in growth, negative growth in the product. And so I believe that the iPad Pro line, the 12.9 and the 9.7 will contribute and, and advances in iOS too that are coming will contribute to stopping the decline and reversing the trend and seeing a slight growth now in the iPad. That's my hope, and I think Apple can do it. Well, I'd certainly like to see this happen. I really would. And I see a lot of possibilities. I am not ready to commit to an iPad. My wife did a long time ago. I'm not ready. And the reason I'm not ready is very simple. It's not, to me, ready for my needs. And part of it is I'd like to be able to do this radio show. On iPad, I can't because an app like Audio Hijack wouldn't be allowed in the App Store because of sandboxing. But if Apple provides more exceptions or entitlements for sandboxing to allow you to grab audio from one or more other apps and inputs. Yeah, I, I thought that was kind of crazy by Phil Schiller talking about the new um, USB 3 camera adapter uh, that's now available for the uh the new iPad Pro, and he talked about how you can connect a microphone. Well, that's true. And a lot of people might want to be able to use an external microphone for things like like FaceTime or being able to answer a Skype call and be on a show. But in terms of producing a show, and, and like you said, and doing the work, nope, I'm in the same boat as you. Audio Hijack 3 and Loopback are the cat's meow, and you can't do that on iPad. Exactly. Now, again, because of the limitations. Not that I'm sure Paul Kafasis of Rogue Amoeba is averse to building more software for iOS. It's up to Apple to look at the needs of developers and users and look at the possibilities. Because I think 
with a 12.9 inch iPad Pro and the capability of running an audio hijack and maybe some decent audio editing apps and a better way of managing the file system so you're bouncing lots of files back and forth, if they can do that, this would be an ideal remote audio system. Look at that little thing, a pound and a half. And you add a couple of extra dongles to it to plug things in, and it could be a marvelous tool. You said something very important. The race is on. Can iOS improve fast enough to outpace the extra weight as OS ten gets more and more features and sags under its own weight? The race is on. Well, I'm looking forward to this real and I'm hoping in the next year or two that Apple will do this and allow me to use an iPad on the road. But I'd want the 12.9-inch one because 9.7 inches display, it's too small for me. Same here. John Martellaro, please tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. Cool. It was a pleasure to be on the show. And you can find me at the Mac Observer, macobserver.com. John Martellaro, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. My pleasure. See you next time. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. December 7th, 1941. A date which will live in infamy. Remember Pearl Harbor. Now you can buy, for the first time ever, the 75th anniversary Pearl Harbor legal tender solid gold coin from the U.S. Money Reserve. Call 1-800-329-6700 right now or go online to usmoneyreserve.com. 1-800-329-6700. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, Get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Hi, my name is Nick Lupo. One World Way has been by far the best protein that I've ever had. I take it three times a day. Once in the morning as soon as I wake, once for a pre-workout snack, and once for a post-workout recovery drink. It has helped me transform and sculpt my body into what I have now. I began taking the product about two years ago, and boy, let me tell you, I'm in the best shape of my life. I've seen major muscle mass gains and have 0% body fat. I have had people at my gym ask if I compete in bodybuilding because of how lean and muscular I am. I used to suffer from everyday aches and pains from hard manual labor my whole life and arthritis that runs to my family. But One World Way has helped me take that everyday pain from a 10 to a 3. Some days I feel no pain at all, just full of life and energy. It has also helped my skin look younger and healthier. Thank you, Synergistic Nutrition, for One World Way. Call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. 
Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. My computer is so slow, it's making me crazy. I used to have that problem. Did you quit using a computer, or did you buy a new one? No, I called Geeks on Site. They made an appointment to visit my home and showed up the same day. You mean they didn't ask you to bring your computer to a shop? That's what happened when I called a support company. Geeks on Site can go to your home or business or even repair your computer online. They have 24-7 emergency service. If you are having problems with your PC or Mac, call Geeks on Site. 1-800-591-1682. Our friendly certified computer repair experts are available 24-7. Call now for a free diagnosis. 1-800-591-1682. Data recovery, virus removal, and maintenance for all laptops, desktops, printers, and networks. That's Geeks on Site for friendly certified computer repair experts available 24-7 over the phone or in your home or business. Just call 1-800-591-1682. That's 1-800-591-1682. 1-800-591-1682. Are your Google search results killing you? Unflattering content in blogs, news articles, online reviews, social media, or other sources can jeopardize your reputation, your business, and your livelihood. Let Reputation.com help. Our patented technology will make the truth about you more visible while pushing down unwanted negative content. Improve your Google search results. Call Reputation.com at 1-800-831-0771 for a free consultation. That's 800-831-0771. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. As you know, the brouhaha between Apple and the FBI may have ended with a whimper or maybe not. And to try to sort things out, we've called upon our friendly ethical hacker, Dr. Timothy Summers, to explain it all. So right now, the FBI found a way to unlock this iPhone. Do you know who might have done it? Well, sources have told me that uh, there was obviously a uh, private contractor or private uh, security consulting firm that essentially provided some methods that they've used for mobile forensics. So that's, that's, what I've, uh, that's what I've been told thus far. Is this Celebrite, the Israeli company that the FBI contracts with? Actually, Celebrite, uh, well, well it's, it hasn't been verified that Celebrite's the company yet, but this is an Israeli company, and uh, they do mobile forensics. Uh, they have a certain level of expertise for iPhones. And um, actually, I, I believe this is um, one of their first forays with the FBI. I know that they've had other relationships with other intelligence groups. But uh, I mean, the thing to keep in mind here is that, uh, you know, this is really military. So uh, that should give you a lot of indication about their capabilities. Oh, it does explain it. They advertise in their site that they do mobile forensics, but they have a device that they sell 
to law yeah. enforcement authorities called UFED Touch, which is a portable device that's right. supposed to be able to hook up to a smartphone and grab the data from it. Have you ever seen them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is a, a kiosk sort of deal that you can, you know, they can give it to you or sell it to you. And um, in this particular case, whomever uh, the FBI, you know, purchased the uh, exploit from, they did a demonstration. You know, of course, now the FBI is actually using it on other types of iPhones to see if it works there as well, as we knew they would. Now, obviously, we're speculating here. The FBI is not going to tell us. And frankly, the FBI may never tell Apple what's going on. Is this accessing some kind of exploit in iOS, or is there some other ledger domain or trickery going on? Well, I mean, let's be clear here, Gene. Uh, most of the manufacturers that build devices, they're not aware of every flaw and vulnerability in their devices. And see, that's where the hacking community comes in, because hackers identify those vulnerabilities and flaws, and they're then able to sell them back to interested parties, which many times is the manufacturer themselves through what we call uh, bounty programs. And uh, the FBI also participates in those kinds of programs as well. And that's what we're looking at here. All right. So they take advantage of an exploit. Do they have any obligation to tell Apple? Because in theory, then, if there's an exploit, Apple can fix it in iOS. But the other theory is the FBI doesn't want them to do that. They want to be able to use this backdoor method to get in there. But doesn't that also mean that criminals can figure out what's going on? Well, criminals can use any backdoor, regardless of whether it was identified by the FBI or, you know, or independent hackers. Um, and the FBI is under no legal obligation to share uh, the vulnerability with Apple. So, you know, at this point, and especially right now, uh, <laughs> it's still considered an open investigation. So, as you know, with investigations, you know, there, there, there are many legal limitations there from a sharing perspective. And on the other hand, if the third-party organization is the one that identified the exploit in the first place, um, you know, the FBI could always say, well, you know, uh, the company never revealed to us precisely how they did it. They just gave us a device that does this thing. It automatically happens. So therefore, um, they have plausible deniability. We contracted with this firm. They use their proprietary technology. Um, they didn't tell us. They simply provide the tool, and we use it. So if you have sure. a problem, deal with them. That's precisely right. And, and, and even if the FBI did know, there is no legal obligation for them to share with Apple. If they did share with Apple, it would be purely based on good faith. Well, let's see what happens here. I heard another theory that they could also use something called NAND mirroring, which is a way of loading the flash right. memory onto a device, onto a device, and then somehow reloading it and trying the passcodes until something An works. Right, an indefinite amount of time. And, and, well, that's actually what this, that's what this uh, system, you know, reportedly this Israeli company uh, provided. But, but that's what the system that was provided to the FBI, that's what it did. It, it allowed them to bypass the lockout screen. Or, or rather, it allowed them to bypass a security mechanism that can brick the phone. And so it allowed them to put in as many passcode tries as they wanted. Does that mean that Apple now needs to fix something 
to make the iPhone safer? Or is this something that requires special equipment, can only be done by a small number of people, and takes time, and therefore it's not predictable for a criminal who wants to do something real fast? Well, you know, Gene, Apple definitely needs to fix something. There are many things that need to be fixed here. The biggest, the biggest misnomer uh, within the American public was believing that there was nothing that needed to be fixed in the first place, right? Every security expert knows that regardless of what kind of system it is, there's always things to be fixed. Uh, in this particular case, well, actually, going into the future, one thing that we can be sure of is that Apple and Google will be building uh, stronger security mechanisms into their devices. Now, I understand here that although Android offers encryption, it's not like Apple does it where it's loaded into hardware. It's done software, I guess, partly because there's so many different kinds of Android handsets. But is a software solution more or less susceptible to hacking, or does it matter? Well, well, actually, uh, and, and when you do a comparison of Apple to Android, um, the being with what we're seeing in the current landscape, the Android system is undoubtedly more secure. Um, not not because Apple has done something not as good as um, Android. It's not that at all. It's just that with Apple, the uh, encryption is pretty standard, right? All of the iPhones are doing the same kind of security. You have the same kind of security mechanisms. And um, one thing that is absolutely brilliant about the iPhone, the current iPhone and architecture, is the security architecture. However, if we're seeing that there are um, situations like the one we currently have now, um, it, it definitely questions the, the fabric of that entire architecture. Now, on the Android side of things, well, the difference is that there's no limitation to how many different uh, encryption um, uh, models you could be using. Uh, my phone, my, you know, my phone, I'm using five different encryption models on there. I have various different software packages that do various types of encryption in various ways. And so just that variability does provide uh, some layer of security and obfuscation that you may or may not be able to get on your iPhone. Um, and I think that that's one of the things that we're going to start seeing Apple really start to tackle here in the future is now that they've seen that, because let's, let's not get it wrong, the FBI recognized that the iPhone architecture was a, was a, a very uh, well-designed one, which is one of the reasons why they went after it in the first place. Um, so I, I definitely think we're going to see Apple start to try to address that going into the near future. Now, is it possible then, and we have to break for a moment, is it possible for Apple to guess exactly what kind of technique was likely used by the FBI. Certainly they have a security department that looks into such things. We'll get that answer on the other side. We have Dr. Timothy Summers. He's an ethical hacker. We're talking about Apple versus the FBI and looking at the security considerations. We also want you to look at Tech Night Owl Plus. Go to plus.technightowl.com, plus.technightowl.com to learn about the special enhanced version of the show that we offer. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. 
Visit GCNlive.com today. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. We use mobile devices right against our bodies every day. But growing scientific evidence has emerged showing serious health risks associated with exposure to EMF radiation emitted from these devices. The solution is Defender Shield, the most effective mobile radiation shielding ever developed. Defender Shield blocks virtually 100% of EMF radiation from cell phones, tablets, and laptops and starts at just $64.99. Buy now at DefenderShield.com. For 10% off, use promo code GCN. DefenderShield.com, the worldwide leader in mobile radiation shielding. Owe $10,000 or more to the IRS? Get on board with the tax admiral. Don't take on the IRS alone. I'll cut penalties and reduce your overall tax bill. Sometimes I can even get it zeroed out completely. We're an A-rated company helping people clean up their mess with the IRS. If you owe $10,000 or more, then call the tax admiral. Call 800-287-7180. Again, that's 800-287-7180. 800-287-7180. Are you looking to sell body armor? Want to make extra money selling body armor at your local gun shows? With low minimum buys and great returns, KD Armor is the answer. Make money in your spare time. It's American-made body armor with the quickest turnaround in the industry, which means you get your product when you need it at very competitive rates. And they'll ship it to you for free. If you own a business, give them a call today at 855-488-KATY. That's 855-488-2284. Or go to KDArmor.com. Come and take it. You haven't experienced yogurt until you've tried a Mossy, embodying health and flavor in a true whole milk, green-fed dairy beverage. Every sip pays homage to our old-world cows and the ancient culturing methods their milk benefits from. With over 30 probiotics, a Mossy's undeniably nutritious, refined, cultured sensation bolsters your health and awakens your passion for dairy. A Mossy's so good, and you need to try it. Contact your Longevity distributor or call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. Ted Anderson telling you about Jordan Rubin's Beyond Organic Green-Fed Raw Cheddar Artesian Cheese featuring whole milk created through ancient dairy breeding. Unpasteurized, untreated whole milk on the same farm the cows graze. Containing natural sources of omega-3s, CLA protein, calcium, probiotics, and enzymes. I have never tasted cheese this good and you need to try it. Contact your Longevity distributor or call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. 
No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us at advertise at GCNlive.com and an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. With Dr. Timothy Summers, we're looking at the ramifications of the FBI's success with a third-party company in unlocking an iPhone. So I kind of posed a question for you there. You want to answer it, Dr. Summers? Uh, sure, sure. Well, definitely um, going forward here, we're kind of entering into the age where there's there's various levels of encryption being considered for mobile devices. And let's just be real, our mobile devices really are the eyes and ears of of our of our lives here. And so it, it's one of the things that we have to think about going forward in terms of uh, security versus privacy, I re- really think is the biggest argument. And that, that's the biggest uh, debate that we really need to have um, in the next space here. But, 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 but getting back to, you know, what we were talking about a little earlier, um, you know, Apple really doesn't have a lot of options here, but one thing you can be certain of is that they do have people right now sitting around a table in a room trying to figure out what were the potential mechanisms that could have been used here. I'm pretty sure that Tim Cook called everyone that he could call around the world, had people fly in, uh, let's all get into a room together, let's figure out what's going on, what did these guys do? And they probably went through, not probably, they did, they went through every permutation of potential ways that they know of that this could have happened. But here's the thing, (laughs) manufacturers trying to hack their own products is not the same as hackers hacking their product. So the chances are pretty good that they haven't been able to identify the precise method, but they may have an idea of something that, you know, was a flaw or was, or perhaps wasn't even considered a flaw when they first designed the device. So I'm pretty sure they have an inclination of what it could have been, but do they know the precise methodology? I doubt it. All right. Why doesn't Apple hire hackers or do they hire hackers? Uh, Most manufacturers do. Most companies do. Well, at least a lot of the tech companies do these days. They have bounty programs, and they invite hackers to hack their products. The ones that don't are the ones that figure that they, you know, they've got the best people, and they're the best to do it. But I'm pretty sure that Apple has hired hackers in the past. I know of some bounty programs that have been out there, but it it depends on the frequency. Some companies do it more than others. Uh, Google is a huge proponent of bounty programs. Apple is not as huge a proponent as Google, but, you know, that's uh, so in is the way it goes. So you can bet pretty well that they are getting at least some information about what to do here. For sure, for sure. Apple has reached out to the leading and iOS hackers, and um, they've, you know, they've, they've asked them about it. You know, what, what do you think? What do you think these guys were doing here? And, and if they, when they identify the precise methodology that was used, it'll more than likely come from the hacking community. It won't come from internal Apple engineers. 
So it's possible they'll find out. I would also assume that they've got Celebrite gear there for testing to see what's done, check the latest software updates, see how they can unlock that phone. But you see, what this is going to mean is that Apple may overcompensate. This is just a theory. Apple may overcompensate. Oh, wait a minute. They're going to be doing this. They might be doing that. Let's overcompensate and make it even more difficult to get through, which, of course, will breed more court actions in the future. And the other thing to bear in mind here, the FBI succeeded in unlocking an older iPhone, the 5C. It doesn't have the secure enclave or the touch ID. So it may have been easier, but using the same technique to unlock a newer iPhone with more security may not be as easy. We don't know yet. No, we absolutely don't. But, you know, here's something um, something else to consider. I uh, was told that the price tag that was um, that was <laughs> that that uh, was paid to Celebrite or whoever this company was was about 300k. I imagine that that 300k of equipment and methodology sold to the FBI probably equates to about 1.4 million that was bought by uh, Apple. <laughs> How so? Well, if, if if the FBI is going to purchase a specific, a specific product that the company said, "Hey, this is the product that you need. These are the this will do the techniques and methodologies that we use specifically to get into this device." Well, Apple's not just going to want to buy the equipment that gets into that one device. They're going to want to buy all the methodologies that they can to get in their various devices because this is something they need to get ahead of as soon as possible which means that they're going to want to buy more than just one thing from whoever this company is. So therefore, Apple could go to Celebrite. And I'll tell you something here. Their gear is not just available to law enforcement agencies. I saw a, a security shop online was selling one, taking yeah. the best offer, and they started about $10,000 for this particular device, if that's the one that's been used. Now, Celebrite's one example. Are there other security companies that are comparable to them around the world? Of course. Of course. Uh, so, so my company, Summers & Company, we do the same thing. We just do it not for Apple products. <laughs> but would Apple, if they came to you, what would you do? This is just theoretical. I'm not saying Apple's ever sure, going sure. to do that because Apple doesn't listen to me. I mean, they're aware <laughs> of who I am. They send me review products. I've been dealing with them for 20 years. But if they called up and said, Dr. Summers, we'd like to talk to you and see what technology you may have that will help us make our products more secure. I guess you won't refuse a paycheck. Of course not. Of course not. And see, they wouldn't come to us for the technology. What they would come to us for is to find out, one, what are the methodologies that are out there being used in the underground? And two, who are the entities that are out there in the underground that we can get a hold of? Uh, that we work with and are part of our intelligence network that could uh, share with them the different techniques and what techniques were probably used in this particular case. Well, we still have an open issue here, which is that this is an unresolved case. The FBI found a workaround. Now, before we get into that unresolved situation here, do you think the FBI anticipated this sort of blowback when they first had this all-writs order issue do you think they expected apple to come quietly or do you think they expected or even envisioned this kind of blowback well the they envisioned each 
permutation of how this could have worked out. Um, and, and that's been proven by the National Security Council. And the National Security Council, maybe about a year and a half ago, this is the council that advises the president on various issues, including issues of encryption and, and the kind of issues that we're talking about right now. Uh, they considered every particular way that this could have unfolded, including how it would, uh, how the world would respond to it. Uh, in fact, there's uh, there's some official documentation out there. Um, if you'd like, I can send it to you. That uh, actually goes through each and every way that it could have gone. So this was, you know, this was one of the ways it could have gone. So you know, can we say that? The FBI expected it to go this way. Uh, maybe not necessarily this particular way, but they definitely considered this way. Okay, so the thing is resolved for now. We don't know what, if anything, they recovered from their iPhone. Obviously, the FBI is going to try other iPhones to try to do the same thing. But why is it that we never hear about the FBI, even though we know that these writs have been issued, going after Google? Does Google comply quietly or what? Well, every company, <laughs> all the major companies are complying with the government. Uh, so it's not that Apple, you know, was the first company or, or was the only company not complying. They've been complying as well. Uh, it's just that when, they, when the government asked them to create a backdoor into their device, that's kind of where they drew the line, <laughs> as do most tech companies. Uh, hence, you know, all of the tech companies coming out in support of Apple. Now, but Gene, th- th- this is something to think about here. This is not an issue, this was never an issue, issue of encryption. This has always been an issue of access. Uh, this is about the government having access to what they want when they want when it comes to our most prized and sacred device, our smartphone. And that's, that's what we have to remember um, so all of the companies are sharing data with the government, but there are boundaries and there are levels. Um, there are places that we have to question whether or not we should go. And that's how we are where we are now. Apple questioned if building a backdoor into the device that they've spent so much in resources and time trying to uh, secure in order to protect consumers. And, and keep in mind that uh, it wasn't that long ago that the government called for our private tech companies to build more secure products. Let's go into that, Timothy, because I think it's interesting how that turned around. We have Dr. Timothy Summers. He's an ethical hacker, and front and center is Apple versus the FBI about mobile security. We've got more to come on the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. 
You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sights on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. December 7th. 1941, a date which will live in infamy. 75 years ago, America suffered one of the worst moments in American history, the attack on Pearl Harbor. Now you can remember December 7, 1941, with the purchase of the first ever 75th anniversary Pearl Harbor legal tender solid gold coin from the U.S. Money Reserve. Call 1-800-490-3200 right now for the official 75th anniversary Pearl Harbor Legal Tender Gold Coin from the U.S. Money Reserve, the only company authorized to distribute these 100% solid gold coins. Remember Pearl Harbor with this limited official gold release. 1-800-490-3200 or online at usmoneyreserve.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. With Dr. Timothy Summers joining us for four more segments of the Tech Night Owl Live, let's move right into it here. So, Law enforcement authorities, including the New York Police Commissioner, who, by the way, is not Tom Selleck. He just plays that role on TV. There is a real New York State Police Commissioner. And he and other authorities around the country were saying, we need to stop the avalanche, the epidemic of smartphone thefts. You got to make it more secure. This way, the thieves get the phone. They can't get into it. So Apple did that. And by the way, the number of iPhone thefts went down. I presume the same is true with Android handsets. So what happens now is we have the reverse. Oh, now we need that information to get information on the phone that may have been put there by a criminal. So explain the contradiction, please. Well, it's a, it's a huge contradiction here, Gene. We actually can go back even further, if you recall, back in the 90s that the United States government uh, was very, very upset with Microsoft because there were military servers that were using Microsoft server uh, software, and hackers got in and were able to steal data that were DOD documents. And the government made a huge data call to every tech company. You need to make more secure products. Here we are now. The problem that the government is saying now is that our, the products are too secure. We can't retrieve the information we need on terrorists and, and suspects. So we need you to tone it back. We need you to let us have a backdoor into all of the secure software. And therein is the biggest part of the debate, which is exactly why it's not a debate about encryption and about access. All right. So we realize here that there has to be some kind of balance for the public safety. In the old days, before we had encrypted smartphones, you know, there really wasn't a problem. They could tap phones. They could get physical access to your home or any other of your possessions and get the information they wanted. They merely had to convince a judge. 
So now having a smartphone that's encrypted changes the equation because suddenly there's a source of information about you that the authorities may want to know in the event of a criminal case where they want to find out if you did something illegal that they no longer have. That's a totally new equation, isn't it? That's precisely right. You know, when we dealt purely in the physical world, the government could just spend a couple of resources and some time to watch you and monitor you and and all that sort of stuff. And like you said, get in your house, maybe plant a bug here or there. But in the virtual world, things are a little bit more interesting. It's a lot easier (laughs) to keep track of you in the virtual world. The physical world requires resources, time, people, all of those sorts of very costly things. In the virtual world, it's, it's usually a couple of clicks of the mouse. That's where the FBI really wants to get to, is being able to more easily uh, and readily have the access to the information that they feel is necessary for their investigations. And don't get me wrong, the American public is mostly in support. I mean, here, the latest Pew Research shows that 50% of Americans feel that the FBI should have gotten assistance from Apple, that Apple should have helped them. Another 38% said that uh, they disagreed. Apple was not obligated to help the FBI at all. Most Americans feel that the government should have the information that they need to solve the problems that they need to in terms of terrorism. Everyone's incredibly emotional during those times and and with those issues. But now people get very antsy when it comes to the government having access to their private information. Now, this is, of course, part of the problem. And we have, of course, had the Patriot Act, which gives the government more authority, where some people will say, I don't want them knowing anything about me. I don't want to have the scene that, like in the movie Enemy of the State, the Will Smith movie with Gene Hackman as a former CIA guy, where everything that Gene Hackman or Will Smith was doing in Washington, D.C., they could monitor. And this was a movie back in the 1990s, and now, of course, they could do that. So it's two things here. People say, you know, I have nothing to hide. If the authorities need to know to protect me, that's fine. Other people say... They're already too intrusive. There's too much information about you online. No matter what you do, there's some way to get that information. We need more privacy, not less. Precisely right. And, and especially in the age of technology, the, the thought of, well, I don't have anything to hide. When people say that, that is the, it's absolutely flawed logic because... Unfortunately, you don't know if you have anything to hide. And in fact, quite frankly, all of us should have something to hide. Um, I recently did, uh, did some research, and I contacted the Library of Congress, and I spoke to a senior researcher there. And I said, can you tell me how many laws are on the books? No one at the Library of Congress knows how many laws there are on the books, including the researchers who've been working there for three, four decades. It's because this country has so many laws that everyone's laws count. In fact, one of the Supreme Court justices, Justice Breyer, said that, in fact, there is absolutely no way for a person, for an American citizen, to know ahead of time whether or not they are breaking a law or that they will break a law. And even police officers say the same thing, and I believe Warren Buffett was also quoted with this, is that if a police officer follows you for long enough, he or she will find something to pull you over on and that you've done illegally. So how are you safe? (laughs) So basically, if they need an excuse to arrest you, they will. And this you see on TV procedurals, like Law & Order SVU or something, where they say, well, we know this is a dangerous criminal, but we don't have the evidence. We need the time. We need to get this guy off the streets, find something, anything to hold him on, maybe get him so mad or 
her so mad she attacks the police officer. So that itself is a crime. Right. And Gene, I mean, think about this situation here with the FBI and Apple. The law that the uh, Justice Department wanted to use to force Apple to help was a law that was created so long ago. And it's such an obscure law, the All Writs Law, right? It's so obscure that um, it's basically a catch-all. Anytime lawyers use it, anytime the Justice Department has used it, it's basically a catch-all for when they have no other law in the books that they know of that will cover what they want it to do. And so in this particular case, there are no laws saying that Apple has to help in a criminal investigation of this kind. And so they, they diverted to the All Writs Law, which was written ooh, back in the, I believe, it was the 16 or 1700s. In fact, the law itself has been called unconstitutional. So the key here is the All Writs Law is something where, if nothing else can be done to find a way to hang a writ on, let's use this thing. Exactly. More to the point, this is not unusual. Well, it's not unusual at all. It's, uh, but when we do see it, it's uh, usually in a case where the government hasn't been able to identify uh, the appropriate evidence or the appropriate um, procedures or practice or policy to push or pressure what they want. And, uh, and so you can divert to the all writs law. But as we saw here, there's no consensus even amongst the um, court justices, the judges and magistrates. There's no consensus as to when and how the all writs law can be used. <laughs> well, we see that because a judge in California says use it. A judge, a judge in Brooklyn, New York, New York says can. don't use it. <laughs> Precisely right. So that makes for a pretty crazy situation. It does. It absolutely does, Gene. And it and it also makes for a very uncertain situation. Now, obviously, there has to be a middle ground here. I mean, we want to say nobody should have access to my iPhone because maybe criminals will get that access. So therefore, the good guys can't get access. Other people say, you know what? There has to be a way that allows law enforcement with legitimate needs to protect the people against terrorists, against any criminal, to get the data off an electronic device. And President Obama at the South by Southwest event warned against an absolutist approach, but people in the tech field said that's naive, but it gets back to the same thing all over again. And that is, all right, what is law enforcement going to do? What if this iPhone potentially had information about a new terrorist act. I don't think it does for reasons I'll explain in our next segment. But what if it did? And something happens and people die because we couldn't get the information in time. This is the Tech Night Out Live. I'm Gene Steinberg. Hey there, Night Out listeners. Are you frustrated by all those passwords you need to remember? Do you use the same password for multiple sites? Well, now there's a better way. RoboForm, an award-winning password manager that makes your life easier and more secure. With RoboForm, you'll never need to remember or type your passwords again. It's easy to use. It's completely secure. And best of all, listeners, you could use it free. Just go to RoboForm.com tech. That's RoboForm.com 
tech. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. Are you tired of commuting to a job that makes someone else rich? Working harder than ever, but getting nowhere Do you hate spending hundreds of dollars every week on daycare, having someone else raise your children? With our opportunities, you can start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss, work from home, and live a happier life. At Be The Boss Network, you'll find hundreds of work-from-home opportunities that you can literally start today and be earning money as soon as next week. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss. Get out of the rat race. Work from home. Go to freedom106.com right now and change your life today. That's freedom, the number 106.com. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You be the boss. Go to freedom106.com. This is Dan Pillett. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands, and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement, and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Something shocking just happened in a Coast Guard unit in San Diego. The old guys in the unit have turned the tables and are now destroying the young bucks in head-to-head fitness tests. How is this even possible? Turns out the old guys in this unit have been part of a special test group for a doctor-formulated fountain of youth drink called Patriot Power Greens. Patriot Power Greens has been so effective for many of the older soldiers that it's made their achy joints, stiff muscles, and lack of energy a thing of the past. Previously, this drink was only available to elite military units. But for a limited time, the creator of Patriot Power Greens has set aside a small number of free sample packs specifically for our conservative friends. But you must act fast. Due to the high demand from members of the Coast Guard, our supply is extremely limited right now. To claim your free samples of Patriot Power Greens, go to greens75.com. That's greens75.com. Greens75.com. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas. is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. 
We have Dr. Timothy Summers talking about practical and ethical questions about the Apple versus FBI thing and privacy. So you get my point, Dr. Summers, here. A balance. What if that iPhone had something that could be actionable? Now, I don't think it did because it was a work phone. I, I think if these criminals were smart enough to destroy their own electronics gear, they wouldn't leave incriminating information on a mobile device. What do you think? I tend to agree with you. And I also tend to think that if the government were encouraging local government organizations to utilize MDM software, mobile device management, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Now, that's something which we need to mention. Apple has a set of tools for the enterprise that give them full control over your device. They could lock it. They can take all the data off it. They could wipe it clear, which is something they'll do if they're redeploying it. So they go to the person who's using it and say they're being let go. Let's have your iPhone. Fine. They reconfigure it at any time. And that's another issue, too. Even if they don't have mobile device management, somebody from IT goes to the guy who's going to be the terrorist while he's working there. And he doesn't want them, of course, to know what he's up to. So if someone comes in from IT and says, we need to apply the next iOS software update, can we have your iPhone? Well, he obviously knows that could have happened. The guy was not an idiot. He's a well-educated professional. He was a food inspector. He was not just somebody working in a meatpacking plant or a local Circle K or something. He had to know this. And, and you brought up a great point earlier about the way that they destroyed the other phones. Why would they just leave this one behind? Exactly. And that is the big issue that is not being considered here. All right. But even if we don't know that, and therefore it's worth finding out what's on that iPhone, and certainly it was, how are we going to strike that balance? Mm. Well, I think that the balance that we're going to have to strike here really is going to boil back down to security versus privacy. And um, one of the reasons that the FBI put this conversation into the court of public opinion was so that they could get a read on where the American public stands in that debate, security versus privacy. Are, Are Americans so terrified of terrorist activities that they will give up all of their privacy rights? Or are they so uh, concerned about their digital privacy that they won't give up those rights? And, and that's really where the balance is going have to have to play out. Well, remember, this is still an outlier in terms of our security because nothing stops them from getting into your home with the proper court request a search warrant nothing stops them from getting into your car if they can go to a judge and justify it so certainly there is therefore not a guarantee of privacy under certain circumstances so why should this be any different but the danger that apple pointed out which we get back to is as soon as a way is found for the authorities to unlock your iphone that opens it up not just for criminals but other countries to do the same thing so I think we mentioned this during the last time you were on here, that, well, seeing this is happening, maybe China calls up Tim Cook, somebody from their 
division that handles companies who bring merchandise into China for sale. And they say, we need a way to get into this phone. And if you don't give it to us, you can't sell iPhones in China. Well, the one thing that the FBI has has shown uh, is that if we do it here, and, and actually this is this goes back to my days in government, other countries watch and see what we do and how we implement. And uh, if they see us do it here, the chances are pretty good that they'll do it there. So there won't be any... If, if Apple had helped the FBI, uh, Apple would have very limited choices um, if, if another government asked for assistance. So Apple made that choice of not helping. But what the FBI has shown is that they can or will communicate with a third party about how to do it. Now, now could the Chinese go to an Israeli company? Um, they could, but the chances are pretty high that, um, and of course this is due to the relationship between the United States and Israel, but the chances are pretty high that that Israeli company might not be the one to help them. However, it's not to say that another company, not of Israeli background, would. All right. If you had control of the situation, what would you recommend to the authorities to do to strike the balance of getting legitimate information and keeping customers' data safe? Well, Is there even a way to do that? Well, here's the thing. The authorities are not concerned about keeping... They're, they're, they're concerned on keeping consumer data safe uh, exists on a varying sliding scale. Um, because the more you have protected consumer data, the less access you have. And the less access you have, um, you end right back up with the, converse, the argument that they make now that we can't do the investigations that we need to. Think of it this way, Gene. It's just like an advertising company. An advertising company advertising security products. Well, they don't want to tell their customers how to encrypt every piece of data and keep every piece of data private. Why? Well, because if they do that, none of their advertisements will make it through to the customers. So they have to be very particular about what kinds of products they want to encourage users to actually use. Uh, The products that they would encourage users to use are products that have some seeming surface-level application of security, but do not keep the marketing company, the advertising company, from getting access to the personal data that it needs to do what it does, which is advertising. The government has has similar kinds of um, perspectives. If they promote the use of total encryption, total secure solutions, then it hinders their ability to access. And at the end of the day, that's what the, that's what the intelligence part of the government needs, is access to information. Well, this is obviously not something that's going to be solved. One suggestion was to set up a committee, a congressional committee to look into the issues, look at the ramifications, and suggest legislation. But as we all know, congressional committees are usually ways to kick the can down the road. Right. And we already have a couple of congressional committees. (laughs) 
So there are committees already. Maybe you can tell us what they are and what they're doing, because I'd like to know. We have Dr. Timothy Summers joining us. He is an ethical hacker, and the concerns are Apple versus the FBI. The story never seems to end. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Serious investors and traders want to make 81% return in 60 seconds? Use the same secret algorithm professional hedge fund managers use to make billions of dollars of profits. Turn $250 into $4,903 in just seven clicks of a mouse. Our tool is so simple that my 82-year-old grandmother can use it to make insane stock market profits. Go to BigBuckRiches.com. Watch the free video before the hedge funds make us take it down. Go to BigBuckRiches.com. From the Robert Allen System, current returns not indicative of future results. A good stove is at the top of the list for any serious survivalist. That's why you have to see the full range at Emberlit.com. Simple, elegant, but extraordinarily efficient. Available in titanium or stainless steel, the Emberlit line of stoves are ultralight, pack flat, and work great. Fueled only by sticks and debris. From emergency situations to long-term survival, Emberlit stoves are up to the task. Emberlit, the most convenient, easy-to-carry wood stoves on the planet. See them all at Emberlit.com. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. 75 years ago, America suffered one of the worst moments in American history, the attack on Pearl Harbor. Now you can remember December 7th, 1941, with the purchase of the first ever 75th anniversary Pearl Harbor legal tender solid gold coin from the U.S. Money Reserve. Call 1-800-490-3200 right now for the official 75th anniversary Pearl Harbor Legal Tender Gold Coin from the U.S. Money Reserve, the only company authorized to distribute these 100% solid gold coins. Remember Pearl Harbor with this limited official gold release. 1-800-490-3200 or online at usmoneyreserve.com. This is David Cordani, CEO of Cigna. For more than 20 years, Cigna has worked with the March of Dimes to address premature births in the U.S. Premature births cause horrible suffering and cost billions of dollars each year. That's why Cigna is committed to raising funds and awareness through our employees, family, and friends to improve the health of moms and babies. Please join us in supporting the March for Babies. Start your team today at marchforbabies.org. It's no secret that pathogens such as bacteria, viruses, moles, and fungus can inflict severe damage in the human body. Fortunately, a new and vastly improved silver solution has been developed. Supernatural Silver is a revolutionary broad-spectrum antibacterial, antiviral, antifungal solution that can be used inside the body as well as on the skin. Supernatural Silver is unique and superior to colloidal and ionic silvers using a patented technology that is 
is highly effective against colds, flus, infections, food poisoning, and yeast, in addition to many other pathogens. Supernatural Silver is scientifically supported, extremely safe, and is the number one choice of thousands of people for immune system support. Find out how Supernatural Silver could change your life. Go to SupernaturalSilver.com and use the promo code HEALTHY for 20% off. That's SupernaturalSilver.com and like us on Facebook. Destroy harmful bacteria, allergens, bed bugs, dust mites, fleas in your home with the Ladybug Steam Vapor System. The Ladybug dies deep on surfaces without any toxic residue. Traditional control agents contain toxic chemicals which do more harm than good. Sanitize and disinfect using just water. Quick, fast, and surprisingly easy. Find out more now by calling 800-997-6584. Ask for Randy. That's 800-997-6584. Or go to advap.com slash GCN. That's advap.com slash GCN. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Okay, so there are committees, Dr. Timothy Summers says, in Congress looking into what, security issues? Sure, sure. Well, if you if you recall earlier in the, in the uh, one of the earlier segments, we talked about uh, the National Security Council, and that's the council that advises the president on issues like this one, um, and that their job is to consider all of the different ways that the encryption conversation might go, and the potential implications, what could happen, how other countries would perceive the United States government. Would they perceive them as weak? Would they perceive them as strong? Dependent on their stance on whether or not everyday American citizens should have access to sophisticated encryption technologies. Now, here's the other thing. The encryption technologies that are currently being used by tech companies in their devices are using algorithms that the United States government itself encouraged the tech companies to use. The government specified certain standards of encryption that they wanted tech companies to use. Each tech company was allowed to have its own implementation of how they did the algorithm, but there was an agreement that everyone would use this set of algorithms. The conversation about the government having a hard time cracking into these algorithms that they themselves told everyone to use is uh, quite interesting. Should there be new legislation then, or is it a matter of executive orders, just operating policies? What? Well, here's what's going to have to happen. There is going to have to be some new committees that deal with public-private partnerships. There's going to have to be one. Uh, There's going to have to be the tech companies and the tech leaders within government. They're going to have to get together, talk about what's coming down the line technology-wise, talk about what kinds of security mechanisms uh, are necessary for the privacy of consumers. That point will probably be argued from the tech company side. And the government will probably argue the points where, well, hey, we need to be able to get access to data if we suspect someone of being involved with terrorism. That's going to have to happen. They will have to identify what particular issues are the most pressing. Now, on the other hand, the tech companies could create two levels of encryption. One, for people who don't mind and don't have anything to hide, uh, that is easily crackable 
and two, one that is not easily crackable, and leave that up to the consumer. By default, they could use the easily crackable one <laughs> and have a higher security level that you can opt into that makes it less crackable. This is something that a couple of experts have talked about, but that really hasn't gotten any traction. But there are many options for how there could be balance uh, in this particular case, but it has to be one that everyone agrees on. And so far, we haven't gotten there. All right. So this is one of the things that, again, this is going to happen in the future. So where are we going to stand right now? Obviously, this is going to fade out because we're too busy talking about Donald Trump and whether women who seek abortions to go to jail. That's going to overwhelm the public consciousness. After this resolution, it's kind of gone away. We don't hear about it unless there's another dust up later on. If the FBI is able to use whatever technique they have to recover data from other iPhones, it may not be an issue until it goes to court. And then a court case, consider the hypothetical here. Someone's charged with drug running, murder, whatever. And evidence against them was retrieved from an iPhone using this technique, Technique X. And so as a matter of discovery, the defense attorney says, okay, we need to know what Technique X is to defend ourselves. We need to know if this is really a robust method. Maybe the data was destroyed. We don't know. Maybe the data was destroyed and therefore we are not getting a complete picture. We're getting a partial picture of what's going on. So the question is here, how is that going to be handled? The defendant has a right of discovery. So you have an answer to that? Okay. Uh, could you please say the question again? I, I, sorry about that. I thought, you were, I thought you'd stop your statement. <laughs> In a criminal case, the defense attorney says, okay, we're entitled to discovery. How did you get the information off my client's iPhone? Mm. Well, in, in that particular case, you're talking about a situation where, um, or, or I'm asking here, are you talking about a situation where uh, the government has utilized some methodology that it has to get into a uh, suspect's iPhone without, uh, without any kind of provocation? Or are we talking about uh, they actually have legitimate evidence supporting that this person was uh, questionable? Well, maybe we find instant messages where the conspiracy is spelled out, the drug running, the robbery, whatever it is, there's something on the phone that is evidence crucial to this case. Now, and, now how, would you, how would they have access to it? Well, now, obviously, we that's the issue, that the authorities yeah. managed to recover information from this iPhone that they seized. That, mm. Therefore, that, that's actionable evidence in a criminal case. And now well, the defense a- attorney says, okay, we want to see it. How did you get it? We want right. to evaluate the technique. Maybe it's faulty. Right. And the defense attorney should have the right and ability to do that. They should have the ability to see um, the... Because you also have to keep in mind that there's also chain of custody here. When you're talking about a digital forensics investigation, you're talking about things like chain of custody. How do you ensure that the device hasn't been in the hands uh, or in a place where it could be manipulated, uh, where it could, it could be um, damaged, where it could be altered in some way, shape, or form, where the base code could be changed? 
So uh, the defense attorney sh- should have access to all of that information. Um, uh, you know, prior to a suspect being tried based on information on the device. But see, here is, herein is, is part of the issue. The, really, the laws for situations where evidence is gathered from a personal digital device are a little shaky. This is precisely why Americans should be very mindful and cognizant of utilizing security technologies to protect themselves. Because you don't know what information you have or don't have that could be a part of uh, an investigation. Now, here's another thing. We, we've, in the, the Apple-FBI debate, um, the, the, the media has sort of spread that uh, possibly encryption is only used by bad guys. Well, if, if, if a, a gentleman and his wife were sitting in a room by themselves having a conversation that they perceive to be a private conversation because they're the only ones in the room, no one else is there, we would say that there's nothing wrong with two people having a one-on-one conversation in an empty room, having a private conversation, and expecting there to be a sense of privacy there. Encryption allows us to do that online. It allows us to have a one-on-one conversation in a room, just us, and expect that there's a sense of privacy. Okay, this is a key issue. Expectation of privacy. Mm-hmm. All right. This is exactly right. But then the equation's being changed because if one or the other party there were suspected of being involved in a crime. Well, well, Eugene, haven't we, all, haven't we all been suspected of being involved with a crime, whether it be speeding or jaywalking? <laughs> well, then, of course, you're yeah, with jaywalking or, or speeding or passing a red light. They're not going to grab your iPhone or your Samsung phone and attempt to recover information. It's got to be a fairly serious crime. This is not something that's casual. It's not just a casual or a low-end drug offense. We're talking about something where they've got a drug dealer and it's a multi-million dollar transaction or somebody is about to kill somebody or somebody has killed somebody. It has to be a very serious felony for any of this to come into play because the authorities won't be as dedicated to getting the information. One more segment with Dr. Timothy Summers. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many 
formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Are you worried about how dangerous the world has become? In these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse, you need to be medically prepared to keep your family safe. I'm Joe Alton, MD of store.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find an entire line of uniquely designed medical kits and supplies for when help is not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family medical bag, go to store.doomandbloom.net today. That's store.doomandbloom.net. You'll be glad you did. Owe $10,000 or more to the IRS? Get on board with the tax admiral. Don't pick on the IRS alone. I'll cut penalties and reduce your overall tax bill. Sometimes I can even get it zeroed out completely. We're an A-rated company helping people clean up their mess with the IRS. If you owe $10,000 or more, then call the tax admiral. Call 800-287-7180. Again, that's 800-287-7180. 800-287-7180. Are you worried about how dangerous the world has become? In these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse, you need to be medically prepared to keep your family safe. I'm Joe Alton, MD of store.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find an entire line of uniquely designed medical kits and supplies for when help is not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family medical bag, go to store.doomandbloom.net today. That's store.doomandbloom.net. You'll be glad you did. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you. People seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. My dad was 59 when he collapsed from a heart attack late last year. Just this past August was when we spread his ashes on the St. Croix River. I loved my dad, but boy was he stubborn. He hadn't been to the doctor in over 25 years. His excuse? He simply couldn't afford it. He wasn't a rich man by any means. At less than $107 per month, libertyoncall.org would have been the perfect alternative for my father. Don't wait. Go to libertyoncall.org right now for not just your sake, but for the sake of your loved ones. Again, that's libertyoncall.org. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. So with Dr. Timothy Summers, 
I'm Gene Steinberg in the Tech Night Out Live. We're looking at all the ramifications of encrypted electronic gear and when the authorities or even defense attorneys may want to recover that information. You can bet that anything that the FBI was able to do with this iPhone, the criminals would figure it out, wouldn't they? Absolutely. I mean, how safe is your information anymore? They get your tax records. They get your bank records. I mean, I had an identity theft attempt on one of my bank accounts, not because of what I did, but because the data from that bank was stolen. Right. That's not even your fault, Gene. Exactly. And I went through an aggravation with that bank that to this day has not been resolved. And, and therein is, is one of the, the reasons that American citizens should be more concerned with how they protect their privacy, that you put your information in the hands of companies each and every day. Think about it. You go to a restaurant, you give someone your credit card. You don't think twice about it. But you've put your hands, your livelihood, into the hands of a bunch of people that you don't even know. You don't even know to trust, whether it be the server, whether it be the restaurant, whether it be the merchant company processing the charge, whether it be the bank, whether it be the people who made the equipment to, to slide the card, and the Internet infrastructure the entire way. You've put your trust and livelihood into the hands of each and every person along the way. Now, look at the situations. You go to a restaurant, and the server normally will take your credit card unless you hand them cash. And maybe you should do cash this way. They can't get anything but your cash. I prefer so, cash. Okay. Well, that's a good reason because they'll take your credit card to the back or there's a cash register somewhere. Maybe it's at the bar. You don't know. And they run your credit card. But you don't know if there's a skimming device on there. You don't know if their point-of-sale system has been compromised or maybe... Somebody who is a server has a pocket credit card machine and they're running a second transaction or they grab your information and record it for later. They take their smartphone and they copy both sides of the credit card. That's all they need. You don't know that. So you're trusting these people. You're trusting the merchant. As soon as they take your credit card out of your site, there is always the slight danger it will be compromised. But even if they don't, the machine they use may be compromised. So, as you say, just use cash. Is that it? Well, personally, I like to use cash, and that's just simply because of the fact that it's more liquid. I like credit cards uh, in the sense that they allow flexibility, but I like cash because it has a, it's more finite. One thing about cash is it's not digital. That's, that's one of the things. It's not zero and one. It's based on the, the legal tender. Uh, and, and I'm a person who is in support of zeros and ones. However, uh, when it comes to, uh, in terms of the actual value of something, I mean, the paper itself, cash, has no value. But it is a legal tender that has been defined and set as a standard. The, the value of it in the sense of, you know, you can't just add a zero to a dollar bill and make it a $10 bill. You can do that with digital cash with digital currency but and remember here too that with paper currency some of that is on faith because we abandoned the gold standard in the u.s back in the days of president nixon I and mean, then there are logical reasons to do that of course of course it makes a lot of sense but there's still a certain degree of trust here what about bitcoin we've heard about security problems with bitcoin but does it have any potential or does all that trouble mean it's doomed uh, well, Bitcoin is gone. I mean, it's, it's, it's on its way out. Uh, and it's not because Bitcoin wasn't the uh, ingenious technology. 
it's because the banks didn't want to get behind Bitcoin. However, they are now very much interested. And uh, that's why they're all investing incredibly heavily into the blockchain component of Bitcoin. What does that mean? Well, basically, the banks didn't like Bitcoin, of course, obviously, because it takes the middleman out. But there was a really interesting part of Bitcoin, and it is the ledger. Bitcoin basically is an ever-growing ledger of every transaction. Actually, you can trace back to the first banking system, back to ancient Mesopotamia. And the temples were used as a place, as a bank, actually. And if you wanted to borrow or, or get a loan, you'd go there. And the priests of that day, if you will, would have clay ledgers where they'd keep track of every transaction. This was the first QuickBooks. This was the first QuickBooks, exactly. Well, Bitcoin has something very similar to those clay tablets. Now, the great thing about those clay tablets, even way back then, was that they were all stored in the temple. The temple was a heavily fortified place, and uh, it was under the protection of the, of the kingdom. So you, you knew you could rely on those records, and especially since the priests were the ones taking care of them, uh, you know, there was a certain level of trust there. <laughs> but now, with Bitcoin, there is an ever-growing ledger that's attached to every Bitcoin transaction. So literally, every Bitcoin transaction has a long list ledger that goes with it that shows each and every transaction that each and every person has made. That's the technology that the banks have said, wow, we really need this. And it's called blockchain. Because when every transaction is made using a Bitcoin, it adds another entry into the ledger, which is exactly why Bitcoin is so computationally intensive it requires a lot of com computing power because this ledger, as you can imagine, is incredibly, incredibly large. But isn't this an issue here where basically you have one ledger for everybody's transactions around the world if they all embrace Bitcoin? Uh, well, no, the ledger is actually, <laughs> the, 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 the truth of the ledger is balanced in consensus. So all of the entities with it, that are involved in the network all have copies of the ledger. So in order to prove that, so when you, when you do a question or query to say, is this the latest ledger, there has to be consensus from everyone that's been a part of the network. So it, it, imagine there being um, a group of friends. And so if you've got 20 people in that group of friends, and every time someone borrows money or spends money, each friend in the network has a record of it. And that goes on for... 10 years. Well, if someone in the group of friends wants to go and make a transaction somewhere else, you can go back and say, well, hey, you know, five years ago on this date, is this the transaction that you all have? And it basically gets consensus from all the other 19 friends in the group. So that's the way that you confirm the, val the value of the, of the blockchain. So the ledger is consistently goes through consensus. You know what? This is a very difficult subject, and it might be fun to look at potential all-digital currencies other than Bitcoin in the future session. Dr. Timothy Summers, would you please tell our listeners where they can find more of the things that you do? Sure, sure. So I'm the Director of Innovation and Entrepreneurship at the iSchool at University of Maryland College Park. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at HowHackersThink. And you can also visit us on the web 
at www.howhackersthink.com. And we're out there too. You can find us on Twitter. If you look for Tech Night Out, look for Tech Night Out on Twitter. There we are. Look for Gene Steinberg on Facebook. The guy, I won't tell you whether he's handsome or not. That's up to you with the plaid shirt, the red plaid shirt, which I still own. If you see him, that's me. You can befriend me if you want. We also have a second radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night called the Paracast at Paracast.com. And this week we'll be talking to Greg Bishop, and he has a book out. It defies language, but never defies language when you hear Greg Bishop. He's a really, really interesting character. That's over at Paracast.com. And we also have a special feature of the show, an enhanced version of the Tech Night Out Live that you can subscribe to for a modest monthly, annual, five-year, or lifetime subscription rate. It's called Tech Night Owl Plus. We take out the network ads. We give you better quality audio with more features to come. Check out what we have to offer with Tech Night Owl Plus. A way for you to support the show. Go to plus.technightowl.com. Once again, that's plus.technightowl.com. Dr. Timothy Summers, thank you for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thanks for having me, Jim. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.